The Blokebusters Podcast is a proud member of the Pod Bros Network, where you can find us as well as other excellent podcasts such as Sarcasm City, Worst Millennials, and Late Night Gamers at podbros.com. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy another episode of the Blokebusters Podcast. Tonight's story is somewhat unique and calls for a different kind of introduction. Today we are canceling the apocalypse! Wait a minute, wait a minute, you ain't heard nothing yet. And uh, this is? Lilu Dallas Multipass. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Houston, we have a problem. Have you tried turning it off and on again? Gentlemen, you can't fight in here, this is the war room. Now, where was I? Welcome to episode 111 of the Blokebusters podcast. I'm Paul, and today we are going to be talking about Mute, the Duncan Jones film that is currently on Netflix. And by we, I mean my guest, who is the host of the network we are on. His name is John. How you doing, sir? Good, man. Thanks for having me on. It's been a bit. Uh, I've been waiting to come on. We finally have had the opportunity to sit down with one another and record. And uh, hey, better late than never. Yes, yes. I, I, I've been on the... Ah, oh, what's it called now? The first time I was on it was called The Guy Huddle. The Guy Huddle, yeah, <laughs> which then turned into Podbro's Promotions, yeah. Yeah, and, and myself and Brian were on that a while ago as well. So. Yeah, which <laughs> yeah, I need yeah. to do a new one of those soon. It's been it's been a while. Yes, yes, you do. <laughs> get on that whenever you get the time. I know, <laughs> I know that's, that's exactly <laughs> it. Real life, uh, my, my main life my main job even though i do consider the network a main job as well but uh the job that pays me a lot more money has uh mm-hmm. been extremely busy so i'm finally like trying to get things settled and uh, i'm hoping at least by the end of the year things will be a bit more settled and then we can start uh boosting up some of these other shows again yeah that would be uh, that'd be very very nice to see again because uh, i know that there was planned to try and get episodes out quite regularly but as you say life gets in the way and it's uh it's one of those feeds that is sort of a secondary feed because it's not specifically uh, a podcast that's hosted rather than at this point it's going to be just promoting other shows so yeah so. yeah exactly it's it's kind of more of a like a hub now for for the network where other hosts and whatnot can come on where we promote some of the local stuff that happens in the metro detroit area little things like that uh it started to be a a spotlight show as well so to try to get out uh, other people's episodes on the network do kind of a spotlight on that on certain episodes so that our listeners on that show could hear what's going on but the good news is, uh, even though that show has kind of fallen by the wayside, there are other shows that I'm a part of that are still going strong weekly, and I'm still <laughs> very excited and happy about those. Well, good. Glad, glad you are keeping busy and excited about this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Still excited about podcasting. I know uh, we've been at it for quite some time, and I know uh, podcasters come in and out of uh, the, the, the area all of the time, but it's it's nice to see that uh, we still have a good, strong following and we're going into, well, we are in our fifth year, but it's just um, crazy to think about it and how uh, things keep looking up and up for us. Uh, 
all these other things that have happened, Patreon and, and Amazon affiliate program and, and even T-shirt stores now are, are have been our main focus so that we can rely on giving people more free so that way they they don't have to listen to advertisements or anything like that uh, when they listen to us. Yeah, yeah, that's the one thing that we really didn't want when we started this podcast, which we didn't want to end up being one of those ones that this episode is sponsored by this and this and then having random ads in the show because we don't really enjoy listening to that so we don't want to do that so yeah right (laughs) so no matter what even if we ended up gaining like millions of subscribers we probably wouldn't do it anyway just because we we'd rather just not deal with that we don't want people to listen to that so yeah i i definitely understand the the need to try and keep things going but also not bog thing down with thing people don't want so yeah exactly exactly <laughs> all right so all right why don't we try and get into this film mute then it was uh, directed by a uh, mr duncan jones who you might have heard before he made moon uh, which i'm sure we'll touch on a little bit as we go on he also was the director behind source code and i believe he was the director of warcraft yeah, yeah, I I was blown away. I did not know any of that when I first saw this movie. I It was one of those where I went on Netflix and immediately it was just like, hey, we're going to show you this preview. And I was like, oh, that looks pretty cool. And so I put it in my queue and then I kind of forgot about it until we started talking. Uh, but then to see Duncan Jones behind this and I'm going, oh, who is this guy? And I'm trying to do my research and stuff. And I couldn't believe it that this is the son of David Bowie. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes, his full name is Duncan Zowie Hayward Jones, and he was known as Zowie Bowie for quite a long time. And then he just decided, no, he was taking his first name rather yeah. than Zowie. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting because I, I first... I heard about this guy when I saw Moon and I I watched it and I just remember being really excited by the film because it was so well done. The performances in it were fantastic and the story idea was something I hadn't really seen before. So it was it was really cool to watch and then I didn't realise that he was also behind source code until I researched it, so uh, I, I kind of enjoyed that one. That one was all right. Um, <laughs> that one felt more like the studio probably had a lot of notes oh, on yeah. how they wanted it to go. <laughs> uh, and I have not seen Warcraft, so I cannot speak to that one. Yeah, I I honestly have to say that this is my first experience with uh, Duncan Jones as a director. I had heard of Moon before. I had no clue that he was the one who did it. I have wanted to see it, but it's just one of those that have always, it's it's always been on the list, but I think it's one of those where I've just always f- have forgotten about it. There's always something else that have co- has come out. Uh, Warcraft, I've, I've never been big into World of Warcraft. I used to love Warcraft, the, the original computer games when I was a kid, but 
I wasn't really primed to want to see the Warcraft movie, though I heard it did really well in the Asia Pacific market. Yeah, it uh, uh, because of the other podcasts I'm currently running, I happen to know that Warcraft is the most profitable video game film ever made. That and is it, crazy. And <laughs> primarily because of the Chinese market. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> kind of um, mind-blowing. I think that's really one of the first films that kind of had turned Hollywood on its head because for the most part, people were like, Hey, if it bombed over here, it was a stinker no matter what. And then the Chinese market came along and it was like, no, no, we, we are doing things a bit differently. Now we're seeing more movies come out on with a, with the idea of having a global audience, not just an American audience and then shipping it over to Europe and Asia and then going, yeah, well, you know, we'll, we'll pick up some money on it. We're starting to see some influence big time. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember looking it up and Warcraft made just under like $50 million domestically in the U S yeah. but it made just under $400 million worldwide. <laughs> <laughs> Which is absolutely crazy to think. Yeah, so it's very, very interesting. And uh, I I don't know if I'll end up watching Warcraft, but uh, given my feeling towards his other material, I think it'll be one of those things that I'll eventually see it. Uh-huh. You know, so we'll see. Uh, so number one, before we go any further, yes, you need to watch Moon. Um, yeah. <laughs> to find it and watch it because... Sam Rockwell is phenomenal in it, and it will actually make something in Mute make sense. Uh, and I can't go any further into it without risking spoiling Mute. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I was uh, uh, made the mistake without knowing, you know, hey, I needed to watch Moon a little bit before I watch um, Mute. I I do have to say I I did read some trivia and a, a little cameo thing got spoiled for me but I didn't uh it, it didn't bother me as much as I think it might bother someone else um I it, what it really did is made me really want to watch Moon now I really like Sam Rockwell I think he's terrific and uh that it's like I said it's moved itself up my list to view wherever I can view it at so uh, what, one of the things that we try and do then it's uh, really try and gauge where we were coming into the film before we actually hit play. So, as you said, it was just kind of a a trailer on Netflix when you turned it on. Uh, so, before you actually hit the play button, what were your feelings towards it? Well, I'll tell you right away. It's even with the actors that I saw in this. I I I like Paul Rudd. I like Alexander Skarsgård. I will openly admit that I like True Blood. I know some of the later seasons were kind of a little iffy, but they didn't bother me nearly as much as they bothered other fans. I thought, hey, this looks really cool. I love this whole retro wave type of thing, this influence. Uh, you know, a lot of people automatically think Blade Runner. That that's kind of like the number one uh, movie that everyone kind of thinks that cyberpunk esque. This kind of had that vibe to it for me. Uh, the thing that turned me off right away is being such a busy guy. I saw that two hour and six minute mark <laughs> length, 
And I went, oh, geez, I got to sit down and watch this one. (laughs) So it was on the list for a long time. And I know when we were discussing what movie to review, I I was like, you know what? If I don't tell Paul that uh, if I don't throw that one on the list, I probably won't ever watch it. Like it will sit there and it'll sit there and I'll watch some, uh, you know, Luke Cage or I'll watch uh, uh, the new Iron Fist season two. I'm I'm just going to keep putting it to the back burner and i'm glad that uh we finally did like this is the one that we decided on how about yourself Uh, well as i said i thoroughly enjoyed moon so and i knew that this film existed but it was one of the things where i heard about it i saw the trailer and then i just never really saw it pop up after that so yeah I think one day it was like, oh, it's on Netflix. Okay, I'll add it to the queue, just like everything else that ever pops onto Netflix. You're like, oh, that looks good. Add it to the queue. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah. And it was something that, like you said, it just kind of sat towards the end of the queue, so you never really saw it. And yeah. then when you suggest it, I was like, oh, yeah. I As you said, it's a reason to finally sit down and watch it. And I ended up watching this over two nights just so I could watch it because my my wife was not that interested in it so i watched some of it one night when she was not really paying attention and i finished it the following night after she went to bed so yeah uh, so that was how i ended up watching this and i don't know if that affected my thoughts or anything but uh yes i i just knew that i would probably enjoy it based on the premise and based on the people behind it yeah so that that's yeah. what I was feeling going in. So. Now, I got to ask you, whenever you view Netflix movies, do you kind of have this like preconceived notion in your head? Oh, this is a Netflix movie. Like, it's still kind of weird to me that this isn't out in theaters. Like, it's a Netflix <laughs> exclusive. And for whatever reason, and I mean, they've proven me wrong and I have no reason to think like this. Other than it's just like, well, I don't expect such a big budget movie to be made. Yet Netflix blows me out of the water with a lot of stuff that they produce or a lot of stuff that they create. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting because one thing that you see a lot over here, uh, especially for stuff made by people with a lot of English people in it, is it'll come up saying a Netflix original or anime as well has been a netflix original the issue with that that i have is that it's not actually a netflix original it's Mm -hmm. more that netflix is the one that is bringing it to america so it's more like a netflix presents type of thing yeah right right so it's it's the language in it that uh they should change yeah i mean there are yeah there are some films that netflix themselves have paid for and they started and i do believe that this is one of them okay that was going to be my next question to you is it going to be uh one of those where it's like oh wait no not really this actually went somewhere else and then because i'm sure netflix works along the same lines as a lot of other production companies basically like the movie or whatnot gets made and then they want to sell their rights and then netflix comes in scoops it up or, you know, the storyline gets made and then Netflix backs it, Amazon, same thing, whatever. Um, yeah, no, that's that's a good 
that that's a good catch right there too because you you are right this whole idea that it does some of these shows they say you know Netflix original when when it's not really it's it was created somewhere else and then brought to Netflix especially like you said with the um, a lot of the English uh, shows uh, a lot of the animes as well so because I was wondering too like some of the animes that I'd see where it says Netflix original I'm like man they got their own like anime studio now what's going on. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I know that Knights of Sidonia, that one was basically Netflix commissioned a Japanese studio to make it. Uh-huh. Uh, so that one is a Netflix original. Uh, but uh, Violet Evergarden and The Children of the Whales, those are ones that were made in Japan and then Netflix were like, we're, we're just buying these from you. And <laughs> we're going <laughs> to distribute it. So Nice. So yeah, they, and, and I highly recommend uh, both Violet Evergarden and Children of the Whales. Uh, uh, two very good shows there, and I'm really, really, really hoping for season two for both of those. So. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, so where did you want to start then with Mute? Is there any uh, jumping off point that you had in mind? Oh, geez, man. I, I mean, even like getting back to the trailer, watching the trailer, I gathered more about like, look at how pretty this film is going to be rather than telling me the story. I don't <laughs> recall. I didn't watch the trailer just recently before I watched this, which maybe I should have just to see if my, my opinion would have changed on it. Uh, but seeing the movie just in general was like, oh, okay, well, this is kind of a... um. Uh, I wouldn't say different than what I was expecting, but it, it gave more flesh. Uh, and, and I would certainly hope so, but it's <laughs> I, I wasn't expecting this particular storyline. I was kind of expecting, you know, uh, Alexander Skarsgård to be just this big, huge uh, action star, pretty much. And he just, it was a beat-em-up guy, and that really wasn't what it was. I mean... There's some scenes of action in it, but it, he he gets his butt kicked too, <laughs> which was nice to see. Yeah, you don't see that too often, really. Uh, it, it is quite often a lot of the, the Liam Neeson in Taken, or pretty much Vin Diesel slash Samuel L. Jackson slash any of those type of guys in any of their films, where they right. just keep on going and going and going and going. So, yes, it was very nice to see someone that he's got this mission and he wants it done, but he might not necessarily manage it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm always a fan of seeing the hero have his hiccups, showing that he is human and, and it's it's okay sometimes where things don't go your way because if it was real life, it more than likely wouldn't go your way no matter what. So I always <laughs> like seeing that, showing a little bit of the human side of things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it was interesting because I I knew very 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 broadly the plots of this film because uh, obviously when you go to Netflix and hit play, it kind of just says you know a mute bartender searches for girlfriend. Oh, yeah, the one line thing is like oh okay that's the basic thing, and I could kind of remember bits and pieces from the trailer or what I'd heard, mm-hmm. but yeah I didn't actually know that Paul Rudd was in this until he turned up on screen. I was like, oh, okay, well, that's interesting. <laughs> and then 
the only things I've seen Paul Rudd in really are 40 year old version and Ant-Man. So him then being this was really cool for me. Like actually kind of seeing him go off, uh, almost felt like actually they would have also liked to get Jason Lee in because he kind of felt like him a a little bit more rough around the edges, but especially with that, uh, mutton chop moustache thing that he had going he felt oh, very yeah, much man. like uh, my name is earl jason lee yeah yeah right no i i was really surprised because here i thought when i'm looking into this i figured paul rudd might be like a sidekick character in it he might be the guy with the funny one-liners and, and that would be it and i was totally wrong about that and I was glad that I was wrong about it. I like seeing, you know, don't don't get me wrong, I'm a big fan of some of the stuff that he's he's done and you know, some of those movies where you can just turn your mind off and enjoy the movie. I'm a big comic book guy. I love Marvel, so I loved him in Ant-Man. I uh I've seen him in some other stuff as well that is uh kind of like I don't know what you would call it, like a serious comedy or like a lighter comedy. I, I don't know if it's still on Netflix, but he did a movie that I was kind of blown away that he was in it. it I believe it's called, yeah, The Fundamentals of Caring. And he pretty mm. much is this, care, he's a caregiver in this. And he's trying to help this guy just kind of enjoy life as much as he can. And uh, to see it was... Um, totally different than what I expected. So to see him play such a different role than what we normally are used to seeing Paul Rudd play, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it in mute. Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool to watch him clearly having fun. And that, that's one thing that people listening to this podcast will hear me say a lot. It's always, I enjoy it the most when I see people that, you know, they finished filming and they're just like, oh, that was fun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, which actually yep. kind of leads me into another guy that I definitely wanted to shine a spotlight on in this film. Because you've got Alexander Skarsgård, who does quite well in his role. You've got Paul Rudd, that's just really fun to watch. And then you've got Justin Thoreau, who is probably the best actor in the film. I yeah, think. man. Because that guy is done so well that you just hate him at the end of the film. Yeah, I and, do. And, and not because he's an antagonist, but just because of who he is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what... This, this film takes something that makes it, especially if you're a parent, that makes you just... Your nerves, you're, you're on... You're, you're, I don't even know how to explain it, but he makes you feel so uncomfortable with his character and you know, it. there's just this nagging feeling like right when you see him in the beginning and he's with cactus bill and you know, you, you see this friendship and you're thinking, well, he's a little off. And then the little notes that he leaves along the way. And yet, ah, gosh, man, it's just his relationship (laughs) with cactus bill is, is something that makes you think. You're just like, wow. I I mean, this movie, if anything, these characters like are really fleshed out. It's not just like, hey, this guy's a creep. 
it's he's a creep, but he's also a human being, and he has this weird caring side in him that you wouldn't expect a, a, a one-dimensional character. Like, you expect a one-dimensional character, I guess is what I'm getting at, and yet you see, like, hey, wow, this this guy's actually human, and yeah. yet you're still very uneasy, and you feel even more uneasy if you feel any sympathy or empathy for him whatsoever. Cause then you start questioning yourself and you go, uh, what? <laughs> so holy crap. Did he do a great job? Yeah. He did phenomenally in this thing. Uh, yeah. I just, yeah. Uh, obviously we get into spoilers. So I may as well just say it right now. So this guy, you get bits and pieces as it goes on. And then round about the halfway point, you realize that the reason why this guy has just seemed just a little bit off to you is that he clearly has an attraction to the younger sort, shall we say. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, uh, I mean, without them fully coming out and saying it, he's a pedophile. Uh, yeah. I, and it's just, it's, it's creepy it's sickening like you think he's making these jokes in the beginning because he's like oh hey you know they're visiting a brothel pretty much and they're talking and he's like how old are you and she's like oh i'm 22 he's like say you're 16 and you're like oh man this is this is like making me feel very uneasy (laughs) and yet you see like paul rudd's character cactus bill is hanging out with them and you're going what's going on here like the, these guys just seem like normal guys like Cactus Bill. He just wants to, to get on, you know, uh, one of the backstories in this that I thought played really well, which made you want to like learn more about this universe was a lot of the uh, Americans in the military were going AWOL. And, and so you're just thinking, oh, well, Cactus Bill kind of wants to start a new life with his daughter and, and go from there. And yet you don't realize that uh, there's more to this character than what you're trying to portray into your head with it. So uh, you're like trying to give people a benefit of the doubt. And yet um, Doc is just getting creepier and creepier and creepier by the moment. (laughs) Yeah. And and like I said, Justin Thoreau just did such a great job with it. So I... Yeah, man. (laughs) I'm definitely going to be interested to see more of the stuff he's done because, yeah, I, I was genuinely feeling a little just unnerved by it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you you do, you really do, and, and I mean, like, even some of the scenes, I, I guess, just getting into it without getting too spoilery. Even the reactions when when Paul Rudd figures out what's going on with them, and he's just kind of like. For a moment, he tells him, he, you know, he's like, you do stuff like this again. I will, I will make sure that uh, you are in pain and misery. But then in the same sentence, he then embraces him and hugs him and tells him he loves him because, you know, they had been to, to war together and it really makes you just go, wow, like what kind of character is Cactus Bill where he's okay with his friend being on this borderline pedophile you know where he's saying i haven't done anything yet uh but you know what what's going to be the stepping stone that turns him into full-fledged like just complete monster yeah (laughs) and i I was wondering 
if maybe the end of the film would not necessarily have him winning, but have him getting away. Yeah. And then seeing that, you know, maybe that'll bleed into the next film. Uh, so, so, yeah, I, I wasn't sure where they were going to go with it. And I, I like that in the film. I like it when you don't fully get everything that's going on. Because I, I do have that issue just because I tend to, even if I'm sitting there and thoroughly enjoying something, my brain's still just going like, well, the next logical step for that would be this. So what if it was all <laughs> So about halfway through a typical blockbuster, I know what's going to happen next because everything follows a fairly predictable formula. The, yeah. the only time that that's been different uh, in any blockbusters I've seen had been Marvel films because they've been just doing really well with that. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> Um, so yeah it was nice to see and it does happen a lot with a lot of indie films it was nice to see something that I wasn't able to guess everything so yeah (laughs) Uh, now what did you think of the pacing in this film because I've seen a lot of reviews that hated the way this film was paced and obviously it being a longer film you might have that issue in general but i personally didn't feel like there was too much of an issue with it yeah i i agree with you i was it kept my my attention the whole time i i can understand how some people might have that feeling but i i don't know to me everything was was perfect in the way that it was added i mean the the whole idea of the movie is mute and in some of these situations, I think it's like some people just get really nervous around silence. And I know with some of these scenes and some of the way that uh, the buildup of um, Alexander Skarsgård character, it, it probably made people just go, okay, because he's not speaking, the movie's not going fast enough for them. Uh, or they might feel like, all right, let's move on. Let's, let's keep going. Why are we doing this buildup? Uh, for for a review, if this is just kind of a detective, a noir type, like, hey, I'm trying to look for my missing girlfriend. But I think there is a lot more to it than that. And I felt the the pacing was was just fine with me as well. I, it didn't bother me whatsoever. I liked seeing the backstory, uh, his own personal backstory. I liked seeing where things were going. I loved the world, just the experiencing everything about it. Yeah, it was really interesting. You don't, I don't know if I've ever seen anything set in future Germany. Yeah, yeah, I kind of liked that idea too, where it was just like, hey, you know, Germany has somehow found its way onto the main scale of things again, and now people are speaking like this, uh, this Jernglish or uh, German in some instances, and then they bring in their English or vice versa. And to see it like that, I was like, wow, that's unique in itself because you, you don't, you don't really see that often. I thought that was kind of cool. Something a little out of left field. You kind of expect like these futuristic films. It's like, oh, of course it's going to be America or maybe it's going to be China or even in a weird way, maybe Russia. But uh, I like seeing that Germany, uh, for instance, uh, it was, was, this hey look it's kind of at the forefront it's it's kind of become this main hub again so to uh, speak yeah a little bit because there were times watching it that i was reminded of a film series called night watch because there's night watch and day watch 
Oh yes, there, yep. The Russian film. And so yep. just the setting and the types of buildings, I was like, oh, that kind of reminds me of that. But yeah, I I think that might just be because of the style they were going for. It's, you didn't see a lot of the beautiful stuff around Germany. You just saw the area that these guys were living in, which was going to be dingy and dark and uh, all of these not so up and up places that they're around so yeah right (laughs) Uh, and yeah that that's actually a question that i had then because yeah my wife is one of those people that does tend to if a film has say nudity in it or Uh she'll she'll turn to me and just be ah this is why you're watching it (laughs) (laughs) that's all stuff it's like uh Whenever that's in a film, it's like it's, I don't I don't watch film for stuff like that. It's like I I'm fine with nudity in film, but it's not like I'm looking You're for not it. Seeking so, out, yeah, right. Yeah, but I, what what did you think of the use in this one? Because obviously, it based on where it was set, there was going to be stuff like that. But uh, I didn't feel like it was gratuitous, really, in any way. Yeah, no, I, you know, I think the one thing that was funny to me, it was really kind of like the only full on nudity came in the form of a robot dancing. <laughs> and, and I mean, it was made to look like a robot, like think like Metropolis, you know, just this robot so. looking creature. And uh, that that's where you kind of got your full nudity. I know like uh, when his girlfriend was taking a shower, you know, you got a little bit of like the tasteful side uh, but nothing, nothing too revealing. I don't recall too much else in the in the way of nudity. Yeah. Uh, I I mean, if it was, if there was anything else there that I'm kind of just forgetting about, I think it did a good job. Then it wasn't fo- that wasn't the focus of the movie. That was just a part of the background. Yeah, and that's something that I feel like, especially when it comes to American films. Like, I don't know if it's a thing where. Americans are still too prudish, you know. Yes, it, yes, uh, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> that's but, that's the whole joke always is saying that uh, Americans would rather take blood and violence over seeing a boob. Yeah, you can watch someone get shot thirty-seven times, but if someone's top comes off, well, it's an you know it's an R rating. Nothing I can do about that. It's like yeah. Really? <laughs> Yeah, right. I think it's this whole idea of real and fantasy. So they see, you know, blood, the blood and guts on film. It's going to be, oh, that's fake. But the moment that you start, you actually see skin, you're like, oh, you can't fake that. But I've seen <laughs> movies where it can be faked. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, uh, I know that in the past on this podcast, we've gone into it. And it, there is a, a, a documentary called This Film is Not Yet Rated, which yes. uh, goes into the... Uh, um, the body in charge of rating films in the US and it's it's a very weird system and it's always seemed to reflect the the values of the people sitting on that board yes at any particular time whereas I know in the UK uh, typically uh, you do have another a board of people that tend to do that there but they have very strict guidelines that they follow and yeah. they 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 give very clear, like, if you have this, this, and this, it will be this. Whereas in America, you don't get that at all. Yeah, and, right. And I, I was going to say, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but with the UK, that's actually, is that governed by the government? 
Whereas um, I the think MP- it is uh, that at the very least it is it is mandated. Uh, yeah. But I know over here it not. However, if you don't get a rating, most cinemas won't show your film. So it's exactly. Kind of a, yeah. It's kind of a. It's a self-governed system, pretty yeah, much over here. Involuntary, voluntary thing. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, right. Exactly. So that, another reason why I really enjoy things coming out via Netflix or HBO or things like that is that you don't have to worry about that. You don't yeah. have. To, they're not people that are going. Oh well, we've got to edit this a bit because if I want this to get out, then I can't bring this out the way that I want it to be. Right. Whereas Netflix and all that stuff, they're just like, no, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, right. No, I I totally agree with you. I think that's one of the great things about it is, you know, I know you're you're going to have the studios and whatnot being like, ah, why don't you cut this or whatnot, uh, cut it shorter and stuff. But it does kind of open it up where the directors, the creators, the writers, they can actually see what they have actually being produced. They don't have to see their work of art. Uh, get cut, get edited, uh, the picture not being what they originally wanted to show. Uh, and, and they have a better and higher possibility of you getting kind of like the director's cut of the movie uh, if you go with one of these instead of going into the theater. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is one of those things that I've I've always found interesting in that uh, like even going back ages you have all of these films that they get made and then compromise 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 released wait six months the dvd comes out or the blu-ray and then it's like okay this is what i wanted you all to see so <laughs> yeah right yeah and and it's just something that i wish i wish there was an option where you could go to the cinema and if something like this has happened you can choose which of the two to see. Yeah, obviously yeah, right. they can be rated whatever, but you have the option of seeing this is what the filmmaker wanted to make and this is what the studio wanted to make. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. it would be cool to get something like that. And I, I think um, with the way things are going just in general, uh, I, I know both of us being family men, it's getting harder and harder to go out to the cinema. So it's like when you have this option on Netflix where it's it's right there, it's like, hey, it comes out today and you know what? You get all the episodes or you get the full movie. It's not like we're going to tease this for a certain amount of time. And then on top of that, it's going to be different than what you see in the trailer. No, it's like you, you get what, what we're telling you, you we're giving you. Uh, and I think that's one of those situations that uh, it, it's to me a more positive experience. It's like, okay, I still love going to the cinema, but I mean, sometimes it's just so much easier for me to turn on, you know, the Xbox or the PlayStation and pop up that Netflix app and then cruise on that and see what I want to watch for the night. Yeah, it it is something I I think the last film I went to see in the cinema might have been Infinity War, actually. Yeah. Because yeah, I just I don't get the chance to go really anymore. Because yeah, I have uh, as of a week or so for now, a two-year-old. So. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so next time you go, it's going to be something probably Disney-related or Pixar. Uh, 
or DreamWorks, something along those lines, you'll you'll end up. But, Pretty much, uh, yeah. And I, I'm slightly annoyed that they didn't wait until next year to release Incredibles two because then I could have seen that <laughs> in the cinema. But uh... yeah, man. No, I tell you what, as as a a film lover, it's it's always fun to bring your little ones to see something. I I had the opportunity. We did see Incredibles two. Uh, we did get to see Teen Titans go with the movie. And um, it's a good excuse, too, for when you want to see some stuff that, like, normally you wouldn't be, you wouldn't want to be this, you know, 30-something-year-old man going to a cinema that's full of children. <laughs> and you're by yourself. And people be like, uh, excuse me, sir, are you in the right theater? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I, I wanted to see Teen Titans. <laughs> yeah, very much so. There's actually... Um, uh, different type of theatre, but uh, in England growing up, there was a, uh, a children's television show, which was called Chucklevision, and it had two people in it that were known as Barry and Paul Chuckle, and they were the Chuckle Brothers. Obviously, that wasn't their actual name, but that's the stage name, that's what they went by for, for years. And they did a touring show when I was about 15, I think it was. And so myself and... Four of my friends, we actually bought tickets to see the stage show. <laughs> and the and the silly thing was we figured out we were the very back row and like the back and the corner of the very back <laughs> row. And so what what we did we went and I actually took a, a long sort of trench coat of my dad's. So I was a, I was someone that was older than half of the audience sitting at the back of the theater in a long <laughs> trench coat. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> yeah, luckily I didn't get thrown out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah, it was it was something that I that is what I think of when it's like oh yeah, there's a lot of films that are going to be coming out now that yeah a lot of adults are going to want to go and see. For instance, Incredibles two. The joke yeah, right? was always that. Incredible 2 comes out and it's not going to be parents taking their kids. It's going to be a whole bunch of 30-year-olds sitting in the cinema just like, I've been waiting 17 years for this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, you're totally right about that, though. That's that's the thing. That reminds me of that meme, like the Billy Madison, where he's in class with all the kids around him and it's showing like the previous is like, Oh, toy story and Incredibles and pretty much all these other films, you know, because it's the sequels have taken so long. It's like me in the theater versus all the rest of the people in the theater. And, and it, it has reached that point. If anything, Disney's uh, okay to be banking off that uh, the playing the long game right there. So you're definitely keeping fans no matter what. But having kids does help. I'm not going to lie. It's pretty nice. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I'm going to be interested to see what it's like when we finally start taking it to the cinema. Uh, but uh, I'll tell you what. I know we're kind of off topic with this. But the good, <laughs> the, the, the good thing about taking your kid, though, and you're going on a Saturday in the morning, is there's other little kids around there. So you know it's it's the perfect time to take your family because you don't have to necessarily be worried about your child getting up, running around, uh, getting excited at the screen, you know, yelling out like, oh, hey, it's Lightning McQueen or hey, Mr. Incredible. Oh, that's sweet. 
uh, because all the rest of the kids are doing it too. And, you know, all the parents are going, but you know, everyone's like, Oh wait, you know, we're all in the same boat. It's okay. Yeah. The, Although the silly thing is, if it's me taking it, I actually will want to watch the film. So yeah. <laughs> that's I know I I hear you there. The whole uh, I gotta go potty during the film. That's where I'm like, uh, Ruth, you take the kids. I'm really enjoying this. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it it will be interesting. I'm sure. <laughs> oh yeah, it is. It is. All right, so. Um... How about we get away from that family friendly thing and back into <laughs> yeah. mute? You, you know, I was thinking of a good segue when you brought up the whole sitting in a trench coat and uh, going to a show with a lot younger children. I'm like, what better way to segue than back into uh, mutes with uh, the pedophile friend? Yeah, um, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we kind of touched on it. Like, what, what did you think of the overall look of the film? Because obviously it is drawing heavily from the Blade Runner aesthetic. But uh, again, I I saw some reviews that are saying, well, you know, it's clearly trying to be Blade Runner or like, you know, this is, uh, this is a film that believes it, that it is Blade Runner when it clearly isn't. It's like, well, no, the problem that we're running into here is that Blade Runner took that sort of noir, future noir setting and just did it really well. Mm-hmm. So now any film that is also happened to be set in that setting is going to run into, well, it's no Blade Runner. It's, like it's not trying to yeah. be Blade Runner. It's just trying to be a future setting. Yeah. So I, I, I didn't have any issues with that personally, and I really enjoyed that look. But I'm also somebody that enjoys sort of the, you know, future setting noir settings like steampunk type i know this wasn't steampunk but that style of stuff so that uh, i i quite enjoyed it yeah man i i agree with you that's why i caught it it's it's very in similar vein to the like the cyberpunk type of thing where it, it is you're you're totally right i think um, once something does something so well everyone's always going to compare to it and I don't think that was it at all. I don't think it was trying to be. Maybe there was like this little bit of a, a love kiss to to Blade Runner in, in a sense, but I, I didn't get that at all. I, I mean, in the same way, like the new video game Detroit that just came out not too long ago this uh, in the summer, uh, that's set in the future, futuristic setting. And I mean, you can compare all these to Blade Runner, but it, it, it is its own thing and uh, i just love seeing that stuff i love seeing the neon i love seeing just this graffiti it's almost like hey we're on the bottom dwelling of the city uh but yet this one was like hey no we still actually have vehicles on the road yes there are flying hovering vehicles but there's also regular vehicles too and and you know it's it's kind of uh showing just this tier of how everything's integrated as well. And it's almost kind of funny that you would think rich people in a way would have these high flying vehicles. They'd be zipping all over the city, but it's almost like kind of what we'll probably be dealing with in our own near future with the self-autonomous vehicles where it's almost going to be like the rich people are going to have these cars where they actually drive themselves because they're the only ones going to be able to afford the upkeep because of all the manufacturing that's, you know, less and less going towards it. So if something breaks down, you know, 
you can't just go to an auto zone and, and fix it. It's going to be like, Hey, you need to go to a specialty parts store. So I kind of did like that. Like when, uh, Alexander Skarsgård stole basically the, uh, the, the bar owner's beautiful looking vehicle to use as his own. And like some of those vehicles on the road, I think it was like Mercedes and whatnot. Uh, there might, there might've been the BMW. I can't, I can't recall, but there was, uh, a lot of nice looking vehicles on the road uh, compared to just like the flying taxi vans and whatnot that was in it as well. Yeah, I know that the Mercedes Benz, it actually was a classic one. Yeah, that, that yeah. They used for the filming, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't end up looking like one towards the end, but. Uh, no, no, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, so I'm hoping that. They ended up doing a mock-up once it got to that point. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I do have to ask you, though, like, was there something in this film that just kind of caught you off guard at all? I, I mean, like, everyone's so fully concentrated on this whole idea of this, this cyberpunk noir scene that they kind of forget that it's like, oh, hey, there's other stuff to this story as well. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest, I probably because I didn't really care about those characters, I had trouble remembering the different people that were kind of running the place. Like there was, uh, Maxime was kind of like the head boss, sort yeah, of. Right. But then yeah. you also had Simsek, who was sort of an underling, but was trying to be a don't or whatever. And then you had someone else that was clearly working for the for maxime and then he had the like uh, the ogre underling under him and it was like yeah there's, right there's too many too many people too much middle management going on <laughs> so yeah I, I, yeah i felt like it should just be should just be the one big guy and then he's just got a whole bunch of underlings but now it's like there's him and then there's the assistant manager and then there's the shift supervisor and then there's the actual just hourly employee and it's just too many levels in this film but uh, yeah but i didn't that was the only thing i had any real trouble with was just because every single time it cut someone it's like okay where on the wrong are you like what what are we what are we dealing with right now but ultimately it didn't matter too much and uh, i i did feel that the film actually ended up taking some interesting decisions uh for instance i think my favorite uh, part of the film just in terms of what they decided to do with it was when leo ends up coming to the club looking for bill's stuff looking for bill and looking for his stuff and so you know he's going to end up fighting the the big strong henchman but yeah. you don't see it yeah <laughs> and just the way that they covered that and you, you see like a second of it just as he walked past the monitors yes yeah right and it, it, i thought that was a really good idea not only because i have no idea how leo would have been able to defeat him so they're just like oh let's just not show it uh but also because it, it made it just an interesting one shot yeah right because you know alexander skarsgård had to race up those stairs for that yeah. show <laughs> Yeah, that's right. All that swimming paid off for him. Uh, 
it really yeah that was really cool i i mean that was kind of funny like random and you know who would who would have thought that a piece of carved wood would cause all that damage to a bunch of guys yeah (laughs) and again a a really cool just little thing that they did where it's this thing that he was using to build a life and just kind of build just a little piece of themselves and then he has to take that to get his vengeance once it's all been torn apart i I thought that was a a nice little touch to it especially when you first realize that that's what he's using (laughs) yeah right yeah i I think another thing that i kind of liked which i i'm sure there were some critics about too i did kind of like how they uh played in the whole amish thing with him and and the whole in the beginning the reason why you find out that he's mute he's you know swimming on this lake and at first you're going okay why why does this look like it's back in the 1970s and then all of a sudden we're like zoom straight forward but then you realize with his character he loves he kind of has this this fixing for old stuff and you know his family's Amish and they believe that God would heal him instead of just being in the hospital so you know he, he's lost his voice he can't speak and yet he still brings that with him along through like when he was sitting at the uh, that little cafe and uh, the owner of it or whatnot sees that he's faced away from the TV and he basically kind of brings it up and he's just like oh you know you're Amish I I know because you're not paying attention and you face away from all the electronics, blah, blah, blah. But it was it was cool that it wasn't like, hey, we're going to throw this in the beginning and then that's it. That's all you're going to see about it. It was like just little one-liners throughout the whole movie, little things that brought it up and, and they still kept going back to it. Yeah, and even Bill, right at the end, he references it. And that's uh, it was, uh, a nice little sort of taunting moment that he was doing so yeah, yeah. it's it very very interesting that they peppered that in obviously it was originally just a, a hook to get him to be mute in the first place but then it wasn't just left off to one side so. yeah right yeah exactly it could have easily been done it could have been lazy writing but that there was more to it than that yeah it was uh i mean you could almost say it was kind of the check off smoking gun type thing but it it no. <laughs> Obviously, someone being mute can't really be a smoking gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I I don't have too much more to add to this, really. The only thing I was thinking of was uh, that I would suggest that anyone that was a fan of Altered Carbon should definitely give this a go. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I, I tried looking it up. I I personally, and it seems like you are the same, I would completely ignore the Rotten Tomatoes for this. Yeah. Because uh, 15% is what the critics have given this on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Wow. For some reason, the critics absolutely hated this thing. That, that blows my mind. I did not... Uh, I, I saw IMDb had it at a 5.4. And I know the Metascore was at a 35, and I'm going, oh, geez. I don't know. It's like, what movie did you watch versus what I watched? Because I I don't see how it could get that score. Like, I can see why some people just didn't like it, but I don't think it deserved that, that low of a score. Yeah, I, I never, I've never fully understood 
because obviously you've got the critic rating and the audience rating. Now, the audience rating is 48%. So basically, you know, some people enjoyed it and some people didn't, and it's pretty much 50-50. So fair enough. It's definitely not a film for everyone. But, yeah, the critic score being that against it, I don't... I honestly don't know how someone could have so much against this film. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't know. It's uh, it's interesting. I, as people have heard, we obviously quite like this film. I thought that the acting was very good, uh, especially from some of the people you weren't fully expect. Like, uh, one thing I did see was that Alexander Skarsgård kind of gets outshone by a lot of the supporting cast and that is technically true but I don't think it's a bad thing just because obviously Alexander Skarsgård is mute for the whole thing so he has yeah. to just be this stoic guy and everyone else is the loud brass character and the fact that they just happen to stand out more is kind of by design I'm fine with that so yeah uh, but yeah, the feel of this film, I think it definitely hit on what it was going for. And the fact that it isn't Blade Runner is not a problem because it wasn't trying to be Blade Runner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah, the the look of it, I thought, very well done and uh, definitely had me in mind, of, as I said, Blade Runner, but also uh, Nightwatch and some of those types of films. And uh, uh, I... As, as you said, when I asked you about it, I thought the pacing was kind of spot on for this type of film. It never really lost me other than yeah. with a character or two that I just didn't care about, but they never stuck around with them for too long. So, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm in total agreement with you, man. I, I think this is one of those that it's... I I liked... I thought everyone did a, a great job with the acting. I I have the same criticisms as you, too, when you have a little bit too much going on in the middle management. Uh, that's where you kind of... Some things you feel, oh, maybe they did leave on the chopping room floor. That might have explained that a little better, but it is what it is. Um, I, it's kind of tough to keep adding when you go over the two-hour mark on a film and you're already rolling the dice on it. <laughs> I... Yeah, I thought I th- I think it's a fun film, and especially if it's like, okay, well, you like Paul Rudd as an actor, see him in this, and you know, I mean, he's still got his little one-liners, but it's not nearly like, oh, hey, we're, you know, you're gonna see him in a Judd Apatow film uh, with this. It's he's his own thing, and he's he's a he plays a really good dick. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> very much so um, I, yeah, I, I don't have much else to add to Tron do you? no yeah yeah I I don't want to spoil anything else on this film I'll just leave it at like the, like, like you said Justin Thoreau his, uh, his portrayal of Duck and especially towards the end of the movie with him you just kind of see what kind of creep he, he is yeah and uh wow wow yeah but definitely the best performance in the film i thought so yeah man (laughs) all right uh, so uh, in that case so we'll wrap up here so if people want to get a hold of you or anything that you do where can they find you Oh, pretty easy to find us podros.com that's uh where i do a lot of stuff um 
I know we said earlier in the beginning of this episode, the Pod Bros promotions isn't coming out as frequently as possible, but if you enjoy films where you can just turn your brain off and you love ridiculousness, we do have a show called Jean Pod Van Damme Cast, which uh, reviews all of Jean Claude Van Damme's filmography. And right now we have gone through all of that. Now we are doing the prequels and sequels to the films that he's been in. So still in some of that crazy action genre, we have a lot of fun with that. Um, I'm also uh, totally different. If you're a wrestling fan, I do the accidental wrestling fan as well. That comes out every Saturday. So if you're into wrestling and uh, film, maybe, you know, there's a few of you crossovers there. I think you'll like it or, uh, check us out for, um, upcoming Halloween stuff. We are actually doing a, a little kind of Fun 31 Days of Horror for the month of October where we're going to be reviewing horror movies that not everyone, either you remember seeing as a kid and probably haven't watched them since or maybe you've seen them on the shelves when you used to go to a place called a rental video before Netflix and uh, you're like, oh, I always wondered what that one was about. So we're doing that as well. So it's busy. Let's just put it that way. Podbros.com. That's where you can find me at Podbros Network on Twitter, at Podbros on uh, Instagram, Facebook.com slash Podbros. Always love talking to everyone about anything. All right. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a fairly comprehensive list of uh, where people can find you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> I've, I've practiced it. I, uh, I've uh, come up with this this whole thing in my head now, basically. You're trying to do your own shameless self-promotion. Hey, what's going on? But no, Paul, seriously, thank you so much for having me on. It's It's been truly a blast. Love talking with you about Mute. Uh, and the fact, it's nice that both of us liked it because this could have been a totally different episode if one of us hated it one of us liked it. <laughs> it, it could have been, yeah. Although, uh, it, obviously, that does bring its own entertainment <laughs> yeah man right yeah exactly <laughs> all right uh well uh since i didn't do it at the beginning of the show i'll do it here if you want to get a hold of uh this show about anything that's said in this show or any previous shows or anything about future shows you can find us on twitter facebook or instagram or vero at blokebusters you can go to blokebusters.com and check out the website there. You can go to popros.com and search blokebusters on there. You can email us at blokes at blokebusters.com. Uh, we also have just started a Patreon, basically just so I can keep the website going. But oh, also, nice, man. Yes, but also I am, I've set up a, a goal, a couple of goals on there. So when we get to... Uh, certain number of patrons which i believe is currently set at eight uh, i'm going to start releasing the unedited version of these episodes at oh, least man. at least from as far back as i have access to because some of the files ended up getting lost when i moved from one computer to another so i don't uh, have everything but yeah yes i will be uh releasing the full <laughs> recording the raw unedited yes so you get You're to hear start of... yeah, advertising it like those old uh jerry springer 1-800-1900 uh videos you call <laughs> in on on your basic uh television see jerry springer raw and uncut yes you get to hear all of the ums and 
the point where we just realize that we're going down a completely pointless tangent and we just change entirely. <laughs> you just, yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. It's, it's a lot crazier than that. So that's what we're trying to get people to excited about this. No, you, Paul goes off on a crazy rant. It's amazing. You got to listen to it. Yeah. It, it's one of those things where it, that one's going to be just a patron only feed. So I'll, awesome. Yeah, I'll get that uh, sorted as soon as we hit the number of patrons for that. So, yeah, I, I hopefully uh, people will go and uh, help us out there. Like, seriously, if, if, if you only want to uh, give a dollar a month, that is fine by me. It really does help. Just kind of keep this show going. So, thank you very much for those of you that have already done so, and hopefully one or two more of you will decide that you want to do it. So, uh, yeah, just go p- uh, patreon.com slash blokebusters and uh, we should be found right there. Uh, so, with all of that being said, I've been Paul. I've been John. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Hi there, Paul here with a quick theatre etiquette lesson for you. Did you know that opening a bag of candy can take less than five seconds? <laughs>